Welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Simon. And I'm Stuart. We're both property people running our own businesses. This podcast is just us chatting, as we often do, about anything and everything property. Uh, so, <laughs> we're, we're back here again. <laughs> what, what should we talk about today, Stuart? Well, what's on my mind at the moment, Simon? Well, what's on my mind? Um, I mentioned it briefly uh, on a previous episode that um, a three-bed masonette that I'd put an offer in and which was accepted over a year ago just disappeared off the radar when the vendor the vendor uh, suggested that we would be uh, responsible for extending the lease which I of course challenged so that that then this dis- disappeared but I, I this week got an email to now say that's officially the lease extension is complete and it's now ready for uh, continuation of the conveyancing process so that was that's what's on my mind now what I'm going to do with that because it's a year on and obviously requires funding the other thing which I'm not sure I've mentioned on the podcast previously but according to one of my uh, specialist tax advisors we overpaid on stamp duty quite significantly uh, to the tune of somewhere in the region of sort of £25,000 so not an insignificant sum Definitely not. No, uh, 25 to 30K. And I, I have a good relationship with the solicitor or had a good relationship with the solicitor and, and then it's fine, this is, this is all business. But the, the challenge was that um, we overpaid because the, the property we'd bought had a number of rooms uh, all with en suites and actually the size of the property had two kitchens and two communal areas would have um, taken a lower SDLT. So... Uh, I think, you know, it, we're does that have to come through as a challenge to your solicitor then, and, and their advice? Is it not something that you can just sort of put in a, a back claim for to, to correct? You can if it's within a certain time frame, which we've missed. So that's a really good uh, point, actually. Uh, we, but so yeah, within a certain time frame, you can actually look to reclaim via HMRC. We yes. missed that point, and therefore we have to go to the solicitor. Unfortunately, you know, it's not something obviously we want to do. However, all solicitors have, as you can imagine, a bleep ton of um, insurance for these sorts of situations. So it's yeah. not anything. Um, but what I would say is that you know, if, if you've got any plans of going through the legal ombudsman, don't expect anything to happen anytime soon. So yeah, just from yeah. submission of the uh, of the issue. They say they that you have to wait six months even for them just to respond, i.e. acknowledge, which, wow. with my personality of you know, liking to know things, pretty. It, it took some going. In fact, I, mean, I did send and I did call after like one or two months just said, have you got it, uh, to get confirmation they had. But the irony on that one is, uh, so, yeah, we got acknowledgement after six months and then I think, you know, seven or eight months later so the legal ombudsman then come back to me and say right we need all of these documents of which there are you know 15 <laughs> number out of the year yeah which we need back from you within seven working days <laughs> oh well thanks for that yeah you you take your time you put your feet out get a cigar in uh, but when you need something from me it has to be done uh, but uh, you know i i'd imagine in their defense they're very very busy so so that's yeah. so that's happening Mm. So um, I don't know much in the way of details on SDLT exceptions, but I know there are quite a lot of SDLT exceptions for particular cases. So, um, uh, for example, when the house is uninhabitable and, um, or perhaps I should say, or um, 
in cases um, where the the previous owner has passed away. Um, I think there's also some slightly odd scenarios around uh, people employed in uh, military and things like that if, if they were the they're the selling party. Um, so, what what was the exception that you're you're hoping to to, to apply to yours? Well, it's around the number of. Um, rooms in the building so as opposed to it just being one house so the first thing is it's actually two properties so it was a a commercial and residential property so it was formerly uh, a shop on a corner with kind of two buildings on top which has been converted into essentially a six bed and a seven bed property they just so happened to share the same freehold. So the first argument was actually, well, they're two separate buildings. Mm-hmm. So you know, should you be paying the same SDLT on the whole amount of that purchase? That's the first one. And then secondly, my advisor's advice was that given the fact that they all rooms have en suites, that there's two separate communal areas and, yeah, essentially that they're separate rooms, that when we look at the thresholds, the the threshold sits under the the standard SDLT. So actually, rather than paying, and I haven't looked at the f- specific numbers for several months now, but you know we paid around, uh, I would suggest, thirty five to forty thousand pounds for the SDLT. My tax advisor has argued that we should have paid around five. Mm. So again, really, really significant. So I guess for anyone listening, that's the if you've got any property which doesn't seem standard, i.e. it's not just a three-bed house or a one-bed flat, then I'd strongly... So any time yeah. now I look at a property that's either two... Because you get a lot, certainly in the properties I buy, a lot of them are two properties that have just been knocked through. I Historically, I've looked at, you know, uh, you know greater than four beds, so f- five and above. And typically, they're not the standard sort of buildings that... Yeah that you'd get for a, a typical buy to let that you, that you might buy for example yep, indeed yeah so my advice is you know so i looked at a 15 bed you know about six months ago and that 15 bed was actually two properties next to each other and again my tax advisor said yeah i think you could probably argue you know the case that this you know there's um, because of the number of bathrooms and so on mm-hmm. and obviously like everyone else i'd much rather know that going into the purchase than do what i'm doing now and trying to reclaim post purchase yep yeah quite so make the whole process a lot easier and and save you cash up front as well and, and save money i mean that's the big thing i mean thing is sdlt is probably next to the deposit the single most largest payment you're going to make in a property purchase yeah quite possibly especially these days with the extra three percent surcharge and, and what yeah. have you Mm. Yeah, and I suppose, yeah, that's what I'm thinking about, yeah, with the extra 3%. For me, it's always deposit, then SDLT. They're the two biggest costs uh, for, for my company. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think I agree. Um, and, uh, I mean, if you if you total up all the refurb costs, then then uh, obviously they'd be up there somewhere as well. But, um, but, yeah, typically they're sort of split up into and a decorator and a plumber and an electrician and a, and a whatever else. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, right, yeah. And I, I was thinking, yeah, so just of, of purchase costs alone, obviously, SDLT, but then, of course, you've got the, the, the development cost in inverted commas. What are mm-hmm. you going to do to it? Yeah. Yeah, so, um, and the reason that's on my mind is because I finally had the legal ombudsman come back to say that... Um, They've now had what they need, the solicitor, uh, in re- regards to paperwork. So the next thing I'm waiting for now is a decision. So mm-hmm. I, I genuinely wait with bated breath. So so essentially the, the legal ombudsman will either come back and say, yes, we believe you have a case. 
and this is what we believe the case is or no thank you goodbye <laughs> <laughs> and then you spent all that time collecting bits of paper for, for nothing <laughs> well and i had to get legal advice so mm. uh, probably a good one just you know for, for anyone listening is is of course these things cost money uh but yep. of course, so when we're looking at somewhere between twenty-seven to thirty-five k, which is roughly what it is, including the so that if if it were to 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 be agreed by a legal ombudsman, the costs that I've incurred will be for for the advice will be paid for as well. But you know that's a long way off now, and I'm I'm not expecting mm-hmm. that. I'm, you know, but yeah. So the first is you know I have to pay for some tax advice. I could, yep. you, know, you can get an initial view, but. If anyone's going to do a job properly, my personal view, just just my view, is that if you want someone to give you real advice, pay money, because then the accountability exists. And I'm not saying you can't get advice from yep. uh, your friend in the pub, but your friend in the pub is likely not going to be thinking about this properly from your perspective once you've paid money. Again, there's then a commitment between you... So in this example, me and the tax advisor. So I'm now paying him for advice and his advice should be correct. Once I've reviewed his advice and if I agree that I'm going to go along with it. Now, if he came back to me and said, well, you know, you might, you might get a recompense of whatever, £7,000. Then I think, well, by the time I've paid for the legal costs of two and then I've got 5K and it's going to take me a year, <laughs> I think I'll just move on. Yeah, but it might cost me a few hundred quid. However, in this case... Obviously, given the numbers involved, I was willing to pursue it. So I then had to um, pay for a solicitor to review that case mm-hmm. before it goes to the legal ombudsman. And obviously, I had to get an independent solicitor. Yep. So, you know, that's that's a couple of grand. So that's money. Yeah, I've solicitors up certainly aren't cheap, are they? <laughs> no. So, you know, so there's a bit, there's a bit of investment. Mm-hmm. But as with all these things that we do, Simon, you know, it's like, okay, well, for that sort of money, I'll, I'll risk it. It's yeah. come out of the business and, and we'll see. We'll see where it comes out. And yeah. um, I shall be updating you and this podcast as soon as we get that information, unless I'm just weeping into my... <laughs> drink of the time drink of choice at the time well let's hope it doesn't come to that yeah and uh, and yeah look forward to uh, finding out the next part of that story thank you <laughs> uh, thank you yeah. in due time maybe another six months <laughs> yeah so uh, any progression from you on the um the releasing of uh, funds no um so so far i've been um uh I've mostly been recovering from having had a, a bit of a break over Christmas, so I've been trying to catch up with bits and pieces. Uh, and the other main thing I've, I've spent quite a lot of time on is uh, trying to improve our sound recording <laughs> quality. So Good. Uh, I now have a, a new microphone, and, and you're using a microphone that um, you had already, but we've, we've got them hooked up to a, uh, together so we can be recorded separately, and, and hopefully... Uh, the result will be good, but we'll find out when <laughs> when we come to edit this one. Um, yeah. And um, uh, other than that, uh, we've, uh, well, I say we, myself and um, my brother who I own the, the property with, uh, have talked about the, the one where we're planning to sell um, uh, imminently. And, um, uh, and that's progressing gradually. It's, uh, it's currently tenanted, so um, it's obviously needs to be be handled quite carefully while we're just in the exploratory stages at the moment to mm. to um get agents in to, to value and and give their opinions on things before we um want to, to scare the tenant or anything mm. if, if 
nothing ends up happening for, for any reason um, we obviously don't want to to upset that tenant who's, who's in their home and, and yeah. living perfectly happily um, so, uh, so yeah that just needs to be, be taken gradually yeah um, yeah it's tricky um, but uh, it's, uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure how that process is going to change when they uh, when they discard section 21 they um, they'll apparently there'll be a new process for, for regaining property possession for, for sale but uh, okay but, really but yeah but, but quite what it will be I don't we don't, well, no, I don't think anybody knows no because so. yeah I was always under the impression you know, it's, I mean, and this is the thing about and, and I'm sure we'll have a separate episode on this but ultimately you know you are the legal owner of the property and yes uh, as they should the tenant has rights as, you, as you'd want I'm a tenant myself so I'd absolutely want that right for my wife and my family but then equally, we kind of accept that it's owned by somebody else. And once the uh, the tenancy agreement comes to an end, and if it's not been renegotiated, then I know there's always a risk that you know, if, if the if legal owner stroke landlord wants to sell, we have to accept that. Mm. This this is a you know um, equally you know you don't want people getting thrown out onto the streets, and that's that's the middle ground. So interesting yeah, I mean, subject. If once we've once we've confirmed that we think we are in a position to be able to to try and sell the property and um, we'll obviously talk to the the tenant that's in there at the moment and uh, and let, let them know and and just have a conversation with them and see what they what they want to do how they want to handle it mm. whether they want to to move out sooner as soon as we we start marketing it or whatever or whether they'd like to try and stay a bit longer and and see see how the uh, the attempted sale goes yeah and um, so i uh, we're, we're going to be as open and as flexible as we can be with with the tenant there. Yeah. It's um it's always tricky. I mean, I've experienced this very recently, actually. Um, well, I say recently now, but so I, I bought a property, refurbished the property, and put a tenant in because we didn't get to do what we wanted to do, and she, the tenant signed a six months contract. Mm-hmm. I've always been of the mindset to be as transparent in my dealings as is possible obviously you can't you know there are areas where you're always going to be slightly opaque just because it makes right business sense but I've always tried to be transparent as possible and when I started to consider selling I spoke with the tenant at the time and I said to the tenant you know probably three months prior to the contract I said look just so you know I'm thinking that I will be selling the property at the end of your tenancy don't don't worry you know because you know it was a tenant and their child in the property you know a teenage child and you know i appreciate and respected that they just wanted somewhere to live but i just said look i just want you to be aware of that because you know i don't want it to be a surprise to you like one month prior but i'm thinking about it nothing's happening within a week the tenant said i'm leaving the property and uh this is the date and it was it was at least a month and a half before the tenancy end date <laughs> so i went back to the tenant and said look it's it's great that you started looking but we are st- we are still bound by the agreement that that you signed and, and the, the date is actually whatever the date was you know <laughs> yeah. a month and a half hence the date she said anyway to cut a long story short because i, I you know i I'd been transparent and because I didn't want to hold on she said well you know the tenant said well I've already found somewhere we're moving out and I yeah, said it's, it's a difficult situation isn't it I, yeah. I just said look okay we'll, we'll, we'll make it to the end of the month but essentially that meant I lost money now yeah great yeah. I was happy because I felt that my integrity came out in check mm. however 
if I were to go through that situation again, would I be as transparent as early? No. no. Uh, I might just say, you know, uh, if we were getting valuations, I'd say, look, this is for a future event. Don't worry about it now. And then, you know, because we call this po- podcast business of property and we have to remember there are people involved, but we have to run it as a business. And, you know, that's that's the thing. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's tr- a tricky time when you're looking to dispose of a property that's unless it it's going to be disposed as a tentative yeah and while well it's obviously a, always an option um in this particular property uh the it, it doesn't really add up as a as a, a rental property mm-hmm. the, uh, the 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 yield or uh, return on investment on the um uh, on the the purchase price of the property just it's it, a single let it's a single let yeah how many beds three and not in an area where you could look at multi um I'm not sure what the restrictions are in that particular area. Um it could potentially it's um a reasonable amount of its value comes from the the type of property it is. I mean it's it's a detached um house with good sized garden and and things like that. So it's mm. it, it's um it's not that big a property in terms of internal space so it, it may not lend itself terribly well to to being converted to a to multi-occupancy but, mm. but maybe might be worth a back of a fag packet you never know <laughs> but uh, it, it has it has other issues that um that i think uh, uh well a, any new purchaser be it for investment or be it for personal use um, would need to then spend some some time sorting out um well, maybe not if they were living in it, I suppose. Actually, but um, but it's a uh, it's a very old property, so it's uh, single skin, um, oh, yeah. and uh, and there's obviously always issues that come with that. Yeah. So, so yeah, we, we, we shall see. I, I think um, I, I think from our point of view, it doesn't really fit in um, in our sort of uh, uh, portfolio plans. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, may, maybe uh, another investor might might be willing to to take it on and, and do something different with it. But um, fresh pair of eyes sometimes it's just what it takes, isn't it? Like you know, when yeah. we've owned a property for several years, for some reason, it's like everything else. We just literally tired mm. and don't want to expend the time or effort, do we? And then you know, someone else comes along and got the yeah. gusto, roll the sleeves up, and they'll get it done. But, yeah, very true. Yeah, <laughs> just take a different view and yeah. a bit more. Uh, a bit more energy to put into it <laughs> yeah. yeah very good um, I think it's probably time for us to finish today I think that's a, a yeah good little chat so uh, I'm going to dash off and, uh, and do the school run um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and for anyone listening uh, show notes can be found at thebusinessofproperty.com